How good has this week been? I love the week between Christmas and New Year, the week where I sleep in and I read books and I forget what day it is. I eat leftovers, ham on toast half the week, and I can breathe deeply. Now the the anticipation of Christmas celebrations are done and the actual celebrations are done, did it live up to your expectations? Expectation and anticipation are wonderful things and they're important emotions. And as we stand on the edge of a new year, there's an anticipation and an expectation about what might lie ahead. This time last year, we were anticipating Jackson's wedding. Just two weeks from now, they celebrate one year of being married. And we were so excited, looking forward to what would happen for Jack and Jess as they got married. At the same time, though, we were anticipating the beginning of treatment for Ross for his cancer. And that wasn't such a great anticipation or expectation. But last year, we also welcomed the birth of another grandson into our lives. And we were so excited for that little fella to arrive. And little Jed arrived safely. At the same time as Jed was arriving, though, Jackson had cancer and was in having surgery. And so we were on this emotional roller coaster. As I look back at 2023, I think, my goodness, that roller coaster was really scary. I also looked forward to turning 60 in 2023, and I anticipated it, and I planned it, what it might look like, and I was excited, and I was not disappointed. It was a great week or two. (laughs) As I look back, I realise, though, that good and bad happened together, that this roller coaster that we're on, we cannot stop it. How was your 2023? Did you enjoy it? Were things that you looked forward to, did they happen? Were they good? Were there hard things that you had to walk through? This last week, I always take stock and regroup and anticipate what God might do ahead, what he might do in me, what he might do in our church, what he might do in our city and in our world. And today is the final part of our Christmas series. Um, We are... So blessed, aren't we, for what's happened over the last five weeks as we've looked at the songs of Christmas. We looked at Isaiah's song. We looked at Mary's song. We looked at Zechariah's song, the angel's song and Simeon's song. And today we look at the song of heaven. If you haven't had the chance to listen to any of those, then you can go onto our website to the sermons tab and have a listen or on our um, YouTube channel. Heaven's song is found in Revelation 5. And it's so poetic that on the last day of 2023, we're looking at the last book of the Bible. Revelation is one of those books that can bring out the best or the worst in us. Some of us love it. Some of us have never opened it. Some of us have read bits and some of us have understood some of what we have read. There's been lots of discussion about its prophecies and its meanings and its relevance and end times. There are a few interesting pieces of information as we open this book of Revelation that I'd like to share with you. Revelation was written by the Apostle John while he was exiled on the island of Patmos. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus, and it begins with a promise. It begins by saying, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, 
And blessed are those who hear it and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. We are told in verse 10 who the book of Revelation was written to, and it was the seven churches. Um, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, uh, Philadelphia and Laodicea. Neil took a session for the interns earlier in the year on the book of Revelation, and he said this, there are two wrong approaches to Revelation. One, that nothing in the book can be understood, and two, that everything in the book can be understood. Fun fact, did you know that Revelation is the only book in the Bible that uses the word hallelujah? That surprised me. From the beginning of the book of Revelation through to the end, the image of the Lamb of God is used. And after the introduction to the seven churches, what follows is John's vision of heaven, where God is being worshipped. In chapters 4 and 5, John has this vision of the heavenly throne room, surrounded by the angels singing, holy, holy, and in the hand of God is a scroll with seven seals. And no one seems qualified to open the seals. Um, and John weeps, he cries because there is nobody there. His anticipation that somebody will open the scroll has been damaged because nobody can open the scroll. Let's read about it because, you know, spoiler alert, the scroll is opened. Let's read Revelations 5, 1 through to 14. Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll. And it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals on the scroll and open it? But no one, no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir of David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll with its seven seals. And then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered, but was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which represented the sevenfold spirit of God that is sent out to every part of the earth. He stepped forward and he took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God and they will reign on earth. And then I looked again and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders. And they sang a mighty chorus. Worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and blessing. 
And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and they sang, Blessing and honour and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever. And the four living beings said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped the Lamb. What a huge picture. Back to verse 4, though, and John is weeping bitterly. He was beside himself because he anticipated something and was disappointed. He was standing in the throne room of God and no one could open the scroll. When one of the elders said, stop weeping, and look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the son of David, the heir of the throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll. And John turns expecting to see a lion. Lo and behold, he sees a lamb looking like it had been slain. The lion of Judah is Jesus. And the lamb that was slain is also Jesus. And on face value, this is quite confusing. The Old Testament picture of the lion and the picture of the lamb are incredibly important. And both of these animals represent attributes of Jesus that are powerful and majestic as a lion and innocent and pure as a lamb. So let's have a look at these two symbols. We'll start all the way back in the first book of the Bible in Genesis. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Now, Jacob had 12 sons, and the 12 sons became the 12 tribes of Israel. We know Joseph quite well, and we've talked about him throughout this year. Joseph was carried off into slavery. He rose to power in Pharaoh's palace. And when there was famine in the land, Joseph's brothers came to him, and he was able to keep the children of Israel alive. So from verse th um, Genesis 37, we read of Jacob's life. And into Genesis 49, where Jacob is in the last days of his life. He chooses in the last days of his life to give his final words, blessings, warnings, prophecies to the lives of his 12 sons. And they become the 12 tribes of Israel. When he gets to Judah, this is what he says. Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. You are a lion's cub, Judah. You return from the prey, my son. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. And like a lioness, who dares to rouse him? The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come. And the obedience of the nations shall be his. So Jacob states that his son Judah is like a lion's cub. And this symbol of the lion would go on to represent the house of Judah throughout history. The lion would symbolise Judah's power and bravery and success in battle and leadership for him and for his descendants. King David came in the line of Judah. And Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. This is the beginning of the picture of the Lion of Judah, the Messiah, the promised one, the great anticipated Christ. Let's go back to Revelation and look at the other image. John writes, I saw a lamb looking like it had been slaughtered, but it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and the 24 elders. The symbol of the slain lamb is a picture that goes back to the book of Exodus, Exodus 12. 
And it's part of the exodus of the children of Israel out of Egypt into the promised land. God instructed as the final plague to smear the blood of an unblemished lamb on the doorposts and the lentil, and the angel of death would pass over. And to this day, the Jewish people celebrate Passover and remember what God did for their people. The significance of the lamb is huge. In Old Testament law, the unblemished lamb was used to sacrifice for the covering of human sin. An innocent lamb would take place of the one who had sinned and bear the penalty of that sin, which is death. And if we go back to the New Testament, Jesus' cousin John referred to him as the lamb before Jesus had even begun his ministry. Such a bold and prophetic statement. In John 1.29, he says, The next day he saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I was recently gifted this beautiful book. It's an infographic Bible. It was for my birthday from a very good friend. There is a graph in this book that takes my breath away. The legend is really small and I know you can't read it. So let me explain. On the left, it shows every messianic prophecy from the Old Testament. And on the right, it shows how those prophecies were fulfilled or quoted in the New Testament. Hundreds and hundreds of lines that mention the Messiah. In all of the books in the Old Testament, the prophecy of the birth of Jesus and where that prophecy was fulfilled in the New Testament the lines are different. The dashed lines are for the affirmation of others. The dotted lines are the claims Jesus made on his own life. And the solid lines are an actual record of the event. This blows me away. This Bible, inspired by God and written over 1,500 years by approximately 40 authors in three different languages, Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic, all pointing to the promise of the Messiah the coming of Jesus. The books on the left were Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and 1st and 2nd Samuel and 1st Chronicles and Psalms and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Jonah, Micah, Zechariah and Malachi. They all mention the coming of the Messiah. And it found its fulfilments in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and was mentioned in Acts and Romans and 1st and 2nd Corinthians and Galatians and Ephesians Philippians, Colossians, 1 Timothy, Titus, Hebrews, 1 and 2 Peter, 1 John, and Revelation. No wonder when Jesus was born, heaven burst out singing. The skies lit up and the heavenly hosts sang. The shepherds watched on and the wise men followed the star. Dreams and prophetic words all happened to herald the beginning of the salvation of mankind. This Christmas moment that we have just celebrated was so keenly anticipated that heaven could not contain its enthusiasm. There was no stopping the joy. There was no holding it back like a child's explosive joy at a gift at Christmas time. This birth was the beginning of the promised fulfilment and heaven couldn't help itself. The promised Messiah, the end of separation from God, the solution to mankind's dilemma had come and it was time to celebrate. 
And it wasn't just the celebration of a birth, although a birth is something to celebrate. It was the beginning of the restoration of mankind to God. It was salvation for all of us. Notice from our readings that there are actually three songs in the Revelation 5 reading, and each of them builds in strength and in number. Verses 8 to 10, the four living beings and the 24 elders begin the song. They sing, you are worthy to take the scroll and to break its seals and open it. And then in verses 11 and 12, we hear the voice of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and the living beings and the elders. And they all sing in a mighty chorus, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and blessing. And finally, in verses 13 and 14, John says this, And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, and they sang, Blessing and honour and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped the Lamb. This song began with a few. And it was joined by many until it became everyone on earth, under the earth, in the sea. It became all of us. And when I look at the magnitude of what God did, when I reflect on all of that history, I get overwhelmed by God's incredible big picture that planned every detail and carried it out. It's the big picture that caused us to join in the chorus of heaven. It's the big picture that causes us to realise that God had us in mind all the time. His phenomenal kindness to us that cost Jesus his life was planned all along. The gift of heaven was anticipated. The gift of Jesus had been given to us. The gift of Jesus is yours and mine. The Lion of Judah the son of David, the lamb that was slain for the forgiveness of us all is Jesus, the long-anticipated Messiah. As you stand on the precipice of 2024, as you look at the new year, a new beginning, a fresh start, is Jesus on your radar? Is the long-awaited, celebrated Jesus your companion for this journey? The baby in the manger is the man on the cross, the Son of God. Is he your guide? This is our opportunity today to start the year right, to join in heaven's song and to worship the lion and the lamb. Today is the perfect day to begin. It's the perfect day to place Jesus back in the centre of your life. It's the perfect day to join the praise of heaven. Heaven held its breath, and when Jesus was born, worship and praise exploded. Let that sink in. Worship and praise exploded. Let the truth of that big story sink in. The big story caused Isaiah to write the words that have been quoted throughout history, the words that handle turned into the mighty Messiah in 1741. It caused the teenager Mary to sing in grateful praise. 
It caused Zechariah to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to prophesy. The big picture caused the angels to burst into song. It compelled Simeon to take baby Jesus into his arms and to praise God. And it caused all of heaven, under the earth, in the earth, in the sea, all of us to cry out in praise. And you are part of that big story. Your chapters are being written. Your journey is underway. My chapters are being written. My journey is underway. So let's choose to allow Jesus to write them with us this year. There is victory and unbelievable relief in surrendering to him. If you would like prayer this morning, then come forward after we sing and there'll be someone at the front to pray with you. If you would like to recenter your life on Jesus, then come and pray. Or perhaps you can pray where you are or ask a friend to pray with you. Maybe turn to the person next to you and ask if you can pray with them, if you can pray for each other. It's a fresh start, a new year and a chance to surrender all over again. Will you pray with me? Holy Father, we stand in awe of you and all that you did to bring us into a relationship with yourself. Thank you. Thank you and we worship you with all creation. Come and fill us at the beginning of a new year. Guide us, live in us and lead us. In the name of the Lion and the Lamb, Jesus our Saviour. Amen.